It's Friday, February 14th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Last year, there were approximately 59 billion robocalls made, and about 44% of those were placed by scammers. Technology is transforming fraud and making it easier for would-be scammers to set up robocall operations. You don't even need to set up a huge call center anymore. Anyone can set up an internet-based auto-dialing system. Experts say you can make 1 million calls for about $100 to $200. And you just have to play the law of averages to snag some. John Wasick, author of Winning in the Robotic Workplace, joins us for how robocalls are coming to get us all. Next, we're talking about our emotions. There's a scientific theory that says that we have infinite emotions, so long as we can name them. Going beyond the basics of joy, anger, sadness, fear, love, hate, and desire, we often feel like we could be experiencing a new emotion, when it could be a layering of emotions on top of each other. Take FOMO, for example, fear of missing out. It could be a layering of envy on top of fear with a little bit of sadness. Genevieve Smith, features director at New York Magazine, joins us to introduce some 78 new emotions that now have names. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. They, they go into a database and they keep dialing and dialing until they get somebody and then, you know, they'll put a real person on the line. So it's, it's highly automated. In fact, I got two robocalls just before we talked. Joining us now is John Wasik, journalist, speaker, and author of Winning in the Robotic Workplace. Thanks for joining us, John. My pleasure. We're going to be talking about robocalls. I mean, I know everybody universally hates these things. Um, my life just got a whole lot better because my phone provider just started uh, identifying certain calls as, quote unquote, potential spam. So uh, that's like a, a huge relief. Uh, you know, it, it's gotten to the point where you can't trust your phone anymore. You don't know who's calling you at any time of the day unless they've already been put into your phone book. Um, since 2017, automated calls have, are up 92%. And from reading your article, I guess more than half of them are legitimate, but about 44% of them, of the estimated 59 billion robocalls made last year, were placed by scammers. John, tell us about robocalls and how they're changing with technology right now. Well, first of all, it's it's gotten to be a lot cheaper proposition. Like all technology, um, it really drops in cost over time. So just about anybody can do it. Um, and then uh, the other major advance is that they can do it through the Internet. So you have a voice uh, over Internet protocols, what they call it, and they actually come, you know, kind of bypass the, the, the mainstream phone system. And then you can get these things. Uh, there's really no limit on how many you can get. So, the you know, the automatic robo-dialers, uh, they, they go into a database and they keep dialing and dialing until they get somebody, and then, you know, they'll put a real person on the line. So it's it's highly automated. In fact, I got two robocalls just before we talked. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is completely a big problem, and you're talking about the price of it. By some estimates, it, and things different things cost a little bit differently, but you can make about a million calls for between $100 and $200. And, you know, if you're making a million calls, you're playing a, a numbers game for these scammers. If they get a few people uh, and you get to milk some money out of a person, that makes it all worthwhile just at that point right there. Yeah, the economics are definitely in their favor. I mean, you know, it doesn't take any human effort. You're not really paying anybody, in other words, to 
actually makes a call, so they're automatically dialing, dialing all the time until they get somebody. Then they once they get somebody in line, I can tell you because I just got a call like this is like then you get an automated sort of prompt system that says, "Is this you know so and so in a robotic voice?" And then you get to press one or two, and then you know it'll it'll put you into the system, and finally you'll get hooked up with a human who will uh, give you the big pitch. I try to uh, not answer calls that I don't recognize. Obviously, you know, now that my phone flags them as potential scam, that helps out a lot. But what are the top scams that are being put on people? And then also, uh, where are the majority of these calls coming from? Because there's just a few countries that are really have the lion's share of where all these calls come from. The uh, majority of the scams are, are largely uh, lower your credit card interest rate scams. So, the bulk of those are like, you know, sign up for this deal and we're, we'll reduce the total interest on your debt. Um, and that's that's the major um, scam out there right now. But there's others, you know, there's like, uh, you know, one I got today was like, you know, we're going to get you into this cruise for no cost or, you know, the really more uh, lead generation um, operations than anything else. And you just got to remember that, you know, they are constantly doing this uh, to get people into a sales operation. And, you know, they, they could come from anywhere. A lot of them are coming from India, the Philippines, um, Costa Rica, Mexico, places like that. The big thing, I know that there's uh, legislation going around. It's tough to really get a handle on this because of the sheer volume of calls that go through. I mean, you can't go through and go after every single person. There's not unlimited resources to do that. But I know that there's a, a new law that was just passed. I think that one is called the Traced Act and a couple of other things that are in the works to try to help with all this. Yeah, this, this new law was actually came through Congress uh, pretty quickly uh, late last year and was signed early this year. Uh, and basically it, it says that uh, the mainstream phone companies have to give you uh, more blocking options to tell you, hey, you know, this is probably a spam call and, and, and let you block them. Uh, however, it doesn't really reduce the volume so much, uh, and it doesn't really address the problem of what's called spoofing. So this is where you'll, you know, you'll pick up the phone because you see a local area code, and in fact it's you know, somebody dialing from India you know, through a, an Internet-based service. And so, you know, the whole idea there is that you're deceived into thinking like, hey, you know, your kid needs to be picked up at school or, you know, a relative is sick or something like that. Uh, so that's that's a major issue that's that's not probably going to go away. And that one's hard to stop just because it does have some legitimate purposes, uh, security purposes. You know, people that I think the example you used in your article was professionals who want to keep their direct phone numbers private, but um, relay it so it goes through like their work number, things like that. Um, and, and yeah, I, and let's say you want to be reminded uh, automatically, and this is really a good idea, of say a dental appointment or doctor's appointment or, you know, something going on at the local school. Um, or even, you know, some uh, local official calling you for a town hall. I mean, that's all legitimate. And those, you know, those are most of the calls that are uh, automated through robocalling. But, you know, with spoofing, it's like you don't really know unless you know the exact area code number, uh, whether that call you're going to pick up is, is legit or not. 
one of the, you know, we're talking about how technology is transforming all of this fraud, all these robocalls and things like that. What are the, one of the simplest ways we can protect ourselves from this? Obviously, the phone carriers are starting to play a bigger role. As I said, they can identify certain numbers as potential spam. Uh, but what do we do short of just not answering phone calls anymore? Well, I've discovered a very low-tech way of doing this, and this this may seem like something out of another century, but I just keep my fax machine hooked up to uh, my landline. Uh, it's a, for some reason, I don't get that many on my cell phone, but you know, with the landline, if it goes into the fax, you know that you can't even get through. And I don't use it that much. And when I do use a fax, I, I send you know like documents over, and it's kind of neat because the fax can't be hacked. It's not like email where somebody can pick it up or, you know, uh, it's somebody is really watching it. It's just not really hackable right yeah. now. So I use that, and that seems to work pretty well. It's just if I know somebody's going to be calling, I've got to take it off. So it's it's, it's, it's extremely <laughs> low-tech. <laughs> well, now we all got to start getting fax machines again so we can work yeah. on that one. <laughs> and they still work. I mean, it's, it's, it's really... Uh, not really advanced technology, but it's it's pretty effective if you need you know to send a few things over. Well, technology is making it easier for these guys to keep sending us robocalls. Hopefully, they're uh, you know all the other companies, phone companies, and and the government are working on more ways to help limit that. But we'll have to see how that all works out. John Wasik, journalist, speaker, and author of Winning in the Robotic Workplace. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's how we think about it, right? You can have a panicky anxiety feeling and it could mean new love or it could mean get me out of here, right? And it's your brain that kind of puts the word to it and understands it and makes it an emotion. Joining us now is Genevieve Smith, Features Director at New York Magazine. Thanks for joining us, Genevieve. Thanks for having me. I came across an article in New York Magazine saying uh, introducing 78 new emotions. So right away, caught my eye and I'm like, what is this? What are these new emotions? Uh, you know, for a long time, we've seen kind of the basic concept uh, of emotions, joy, anger, sadness, fear, love, hate, desire, some basic, very basic things. Um, but right at the beginning of the article, you guys linked to something. You guys were exploring this notion, a, a scientific theory that suggests we have an infinite number of emotions so long as we can name them. Uh, and that was also very interesting to me. So I started looking into it and uh, one of the examples they came across was FOMO. You know, a new emotion could be something like a layering of emotions. So, uh, for example, FOMO, fear of missing out. It could be something of a layer of envy layered on top of fear, maybe a little bit of sadness because of the missing out. And boom, we have a new emotion, something that we've named. So tell us a little bit about this conversation that you guys are having over this theory. Sure. So to give you, so the theory is um, called the theory of constructed emotions. It is um, not brand new, but it is something that is kind of uh, controversial within the study, the scientific study of emotions. Most scientists think of emotions as like almost a physiological reaction, right? It's something that happens into your body and they're very well defined and they believe that if you study it enough, you'll be able to find in your brain how the emotion works. They talk about with fear, um, there's like a circuit in your brain uh, that they can kind of map of where fear lives in your brain. But then this other study says, well, 
Sure, there's physiological reactions, but really what makes it an emotion is your mind interpreting all this data and putting a word to it. And it's that word that makes the emotion. And that if you look at it that way, we can have every, you can have infinite emotions. They can be culturally relevant emotions to, to where you are. There's certain things like a, like a, fight or flight response, right? That might be physiological, but, but a lot of our emotions is how we think about it, right? You can have a panicky anxiety feeling and it could mean new love or it could mean get me out of here, right? And it's your brain that kind of puts the word to it and understands it and makes it an emotion. Um, and that was kind of the idea that we started playing with. And so we thought, well, if this is true, it's a cool idea. One of the things that's super cool about it is that it means you could actually, um, um, if you can construct an emotion, you can deconstruct it, right? You, your mind is more powerful. Not the only thing. Obviously, you can't just like talk yourself out of depression or something like that. Right, but right. your mind has a bigger role to play than um, maybe you previously thought in how how you feel. And um, so we decided to play a really fun game and uh, ask a bunch of our staff writers, but also novelists that we love and writers that we love to come up with with emotions. And the cool thing was is they're new names that you've never heard before, but the feeling that they're describing is actually probably something that is really familiar to you and um, is is immediately identifiable. And it was oh, yeah. thrilling how many of these things were, we totally have never had a word for this before, but gosh, it's so great that we do now. And, yeah. and it felt really cool to, to put a word to it. I, to um, I totally agree on that part because I was reading the words and a lot of times some of these words that you guys came up with, uh, maybe like a mashup of a word or two different uh, feelings, you kind of put it together and, and it might sound weird at first, but then, yeah, you read what the description is and you're like, oh man, I've had that a couple times or I just went through that this past weekend, things like that. So some of them are, are very funny and, and, and as you said, very relevant to things that people have felt all over the place. Uh, so let's go through some of them. The very first one you guys list, because uh, you guys broke it up into different parts. So uh, in the category of on love and lust, sex poisoned. Probably a lot of people have gone through this is the state of being convinced after intimacy that you have a romantic interest in someone that you objectively do not. You know, this could be that one night stand or something You're like, oh, man, they're so great, but there's like a litany of bad things for them. But you convince yourself that it, maybe you can sure. change them or, or whatnot. That was one of my favorites. There's all kinds of red flags, but yeah. the moment of intimacy makes you feel like, oh, this person is, I, you know, I can ignore all of that. Those things will change. They don't matter because this was such a great night. Um, and they make you do a lot of stupid things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Uh, Lenniness was a fun one. The overwhelming desire to pick up small, cute thing and hug it tight regardless of the consequences. This is my wife whenever <laughs> she sees a puppy. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, I've got kids and their desire to run toward any furry animal, too, is, is definitely a little bit of lenniness going on. Heartbreak adrenaline was a fun one. The strange feats of strength that can be accomplished after a devastating breakup. I, I think a lot of people can relate to that one. It, it could be breakup. It could be other feelings of anger also for other uh, things. But you do feel this extra sense of adrenaline. And, and you know, I think the examples you guys use, you know, have you ever moved a couch on your own somehow or, or something like that? That's definitely one that a lot of people uh, feel, I think. Yeah. Well, I would have to say that my favorite category of emotions that that our writers explored, and this maybe is, says a lot about the nature of novelists, were all of the like anxiety and dread oh, yeah. and everything like that. They were really fun. One of my favorites uh, is called Too Much Birthday. 
And um, the emotion is when you, there is so much joy and fun happening that you actually aren't having fun anymore. And um, the the writer named it for a Berenstein Bears book in which Sister Bear just has too much birthday and she just has a meltdown in the middle of her birthday party. And I feel that way often where it's just, there's so much, it's like so much going on that you can't even really enjoy it or figure out how to grasp it. Um, and I, I just thought it was such a lovely name for it. Yeah, I mean, that's also like that friend that's planning, hey, it's my birthday month and we're planning too many things. I mean, yeah. I think you can feel it on the other side also. It's like, hey, you're you're having too much with this thing. And like now I'm not having a good time because it's your birthday here. One that was I'm going through at the moment right now is bureaucracy, the paralyzing, yeah. paralyzing anxiety yeah. when confronted with bureaucracy. And I need to get my real ID and going to the I'm trying to get all of my documents for the DMV right now. And that is the worst thing. But I, that's definitely one that I know a lot of people feel. Yeah, all the time. Just the desire to just lie down and just not deal with whatever bureaucratic anxiety is happening around you. It's, it's for sure relatable. Some Another funny one that came up was knit whoppering. <laughs> I was just telling my producer about this one because it, it feels like this is definitely something that a lot of people have also experienced. The unnerving feeling of finding yourself engaged in a ridiculous and terrifyingly complex lie, usually but not exclusively, to avoid an unwanted social invitation. And this is, I mean, this is like making up any excuse. It gets more and more complicated, yeah. Yeah, any excuse to get out of something and it's like, well, what about this or what about that? And then it starts falling apart. That's crazy. Let's move on to the internet because there was a bunch of them that I think a, a lot of people experience how our lives are increasingly played out. Uh, in social media and things like that, uh, tweet sentence was an interesting one, which is the manic feeling that you get of watching retweets and likes and, and comments roll into your feed. I, I, a lot of people definitely oh, yeah. get that. And I mean, there's uh, scientific papers and things that have been written about that manic feeling that we get as a result of this. Totally. I also enjoyed textual dread, which is the nausea of knowing those three blinking dots are going to say something you don't want to hear. You're sitting there with your phone, the, the, the text messages are coming and you just see dot, 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 and you're waiting for the answer. It was a, such a very specific feeling of dread. What uh, has been the reaction to some of these uh, new emotions that you have put forth? As I said, there's 78 of them broken up into different parts. So I suggest everybody go out and, and read them because they're a lot of fun to get through. But what's been the reaction to some of these? Well, one of the most fun things that has happened is a ton of people started sending us their own. And we actually, I don't, it's going to go up, I think tomorrow is 20 more emotions that were generated by readers. So people loved it. They found the ones that really felt like they identified with. Um, and then they started generating new ones that they had or that they use in their own personal lives. And then they were able to share with us. So that's been really cool. Was there any emotion on the list that was particularly polarizing or maybe something that uh, people didn't necessarily agree with? <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. I think people um, were were pretty amused by all of them. I know that internally we argued um, a lot about which ones, you know, we, we generated more than we ended up publishing and we argued about which ones were legitimate and which ones were just, you know, regular old sadness or a specific kind of sadness. But I think most people really got the game and, and really enjoyed hearing it. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed reading through these. Uh, as I said, I suggest people go and check them out and yeah, maybe send some more into the team there at New York Magazine because they are so fun. And as you do read through them, you find a little piece of yourself in a lot of these different emotions. 
And now they have names to them. So it's a good read. Genevieve Smith, Features Director at New York Magazine. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.